Hey everybody, it's Sam here. Welcome back to the cast. Pastor Mike and I are talking about politics today. So be reminded that the views and opinions expressed on the cast are those of the people expressing them and may not necessarily represent the views of our church. As always, enjoy! It is almost September. It is almost September. As of the recording of this. As of the recording of this cast. It's still like, I don't, this is the weirdest feeling time of year for me because I'm not going back to school, but I feel like I'm supposed to. Yeah, once you grow up, it just, it's a year. Yeah, but but I still kind of feel like it's back to school time, even though that means nothing for my schedule. For me, like for the last, how old's my daughter? Four? Yeah. So for the last like four years, the whole like summer thing has only been calendarifically meaningful, <laughs> uh, mainly because like um, summer you try to do outdoor things and take yeah. advantage of the Ontario kind of yep summer, right? Yeah, it feels like there's like once it's mid-August and you haven't done a lot of stuff yeah. yet, it's just like oh, the there's still that is, rush, right? Yeah. Other than that, because like I remember like right out of college when I started first pastoring. The only thing that tipped it off was that everyone else's kids are going back. And so like the ministry year started. Yeah. Right. But I feel like, yeah, like the moment I graduated school, it's like this whole like September calendar thing. This is meaningless to me now. But now that Liv is four, we're starting some homeschool stuff with her. It's like we're mm. kind of getting back in the rhythm that September starts that. Yeah. So now it's like September is meaningful again. But eh, I guess always in church, it, it is kind of a, a September to June is usually the church schedule too. But especially if you have a younger congregation as well yeah like we have we kids and you know ministry but for us it's interesting because we've tried to do like a schedule haven't have you noticed this like we try to do like this pattern for the church yeah and it's never ended up working out it's always like it works for like <laughs> a know. couple months and then it shifts it's not like, really sustainable connect groups never really end up you know uh having like a reset month i know we we've gone back to all in every month which i'm so glad for i like oh um, yeah that's good that so it's just it's funny but so for us like we kind of just piggyback it because we, we're not even doing a big fall launch. No. We're kind of waiting to... Not even, It's not even a big thing. We're just doing like the year two yeah. or birthday, well, yeah, we'll have anniversary like a, we'll year, whatever. Sort of celebrate that a bit. Yeah, that's kind of... I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm just weird with time. I don't know. I think like sometimes you can overthink this stuff when to like the average person. Like if you're the one planning it, it's mm-hmm. a lot more significant to you, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, and then once your kids are truly going to school... I think September just becomes because it is this day of transition, this day of resetting. Um, it's a day, it's a time of like setting pattern, which I think is important. So I, I do think at some level, September can always be a moment of reflection, right? For anybody that yeah. day, like this year. But I was listening to a podcast uh, the other day when I was running, I was working out, um, went to the gym, did some cardio, you know. Anyways, and the guy was saying that. It's, it's, it was just an interesting thing. I thought he goes like leaders don't work by the calendar because just people often will like give themselves excuses. 
yeah for like you know in september i'll reset in january i'll reset and you know it's always like a oh in the future I'll right get and he's like today's yeah. the first day of the next 12 months figure it out kind of thing yeah it's just an interesting challenge given the time of year it's like you know what yeah like we t- we tend to wait to like certain key markers culturally mm-hmm. september we reset january and you find it even in church right september numbers go up january numbers go up yeah right just because people are like oh maybe i should prioritize this again and it's just the the irony of our lack of follow-through as a culture that anyways do you think that church attendance ever has to do with like the spiritual health of people like do you think that people are like more spiritual in some parts of the year and then like other parts of the year they're like oh this is i don't need god right now like do you think there's anything Um, to that i think you're asking me a couple different questions if you think there's a correlation between church attendance and spiritual health i would say definitely yeah like and good theology okay yes but um i'm talking about you know, sad or something like seasonal affective depression, whatever right. it's called, right? Maybe, and they don't want to go to church in February. Best time that we should, because you need people to encourage you. You or, definitely should go to church right? if you're feeling depressed. Um, Absolutely. Or, which is ironic that we don't often think that. I think people, especially in the church, try to hide that. Yeah. Um, because we want church to always be a whole joyful thing. I've been really wrestling with the idea of like, you know, the the lament and the the idea of how churches now. And we, our church does it too. Like, like we, we, I've got it caught doing it myself, right? Well, I'll, we'll ask, you know, how's everyone feeling? And if people don't respond properly to what we want, we'll be like, I'm asking it again, right? I do that so often. And, and then I correct, and I think to myself, like, how dumb is that? Because what if, like, I, I, I want a reaction of positivity. Yeah. Which could be contrived. Right. Now, if people are just being lazy and not engaging. Yeah. Right. There should be that correction. Do I, think, I do think church is, 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 um, is a dialogue in that sense, but... Yeah, that's true. I mean, do you think the church should be striving to create, like, a positive buzz in its services? Like, is that a goal that we should be pushing for? Because a lot of churches, like, this has to happen, and we'll look at you funny if, if you're not, like, engaging the way we are. Like, you're, you're actually detracting from our atmosphere, but, like, is that... Well, Sam, I think there's a, a term that we've often used on this podcast that I would hope in this place would directly impact the answer to this question, known as redemptive optimism. We talk about that a lot. Yes, I right. actually used that in my sermon. You did. It was great. Kudos to this podcast. Um, and it's that we should not be striving for positivity for positivity's sake, but hopefulness. Yeah. Right? That, that, that is the redemptively optimistic perspective is it's hope, right? That's right. The tomb That's is empty. True. There's good to come. We know that. But to artificially demand positivity mm-hmm. is not biblical. Yeah. Like, I've been really struggling with this a lot because, and not struggling, that's the wrong word, thinking on, on it in for the modern context, because there is this tension that we as human beings in the West, this, so it gets bigger than just church, but in the West, right, tend to progress and try to make life better, right? We want this, like, better life for the next generation that's progress, true, yeah. right? that seems it, like the only thing that our culture seems to be like unified in is the idea, idea of that pursuit yeah. right and and it is and this is maybe a big argument but i do think part of that is the roots of christian hope right that we are to sort right. of move forward and, and help people and grow and i know sort of i would say modern secular kind of like um empaths who care forget the roots of that why we do that but it is the christian foundations that have brought us to a civilization where we can pursue that and desire that freely um but 
the tension for me is in, in, in a civilization, a society where there is much freedom, right, and, and the opportunity for liberty and, you know, growth and progress, um, how does the Christian live in, in embracing that desire? Yet when you read the scripture, right, Paul says it all the time, you know, imitate me and be like me, even in my suffering, even in my yeah. imprisonment, even yeah. in my boldness, even in my person. In fact, in fact, I think I was reading Second Timothy today, and he talks about how like you will be persecuted for for this gospel, right? Yeah. And we live in a time where there isn't that, mm-hmm. and because of the Christian faith, and maybe human greed and other things mixed in with it, because we are not perfect people, mm-hmm. but we we we've, we've been prosperous, and so you know the idea of even the champion of the prosperity gospel in Christianity today, right? How do you how do you say you know, join in my suffering. Like, right. I, I didn't get a chance to dig into this as deep as I wanted to in the Philippian series because I just hadn't fully processed it yet, where Paul says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, even have to share in his sufferings, even in his death. Right. Like, his hope was to share in the suffering. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we deal with that? Yeah. And this desire to correct this hypocritical, judgmental, you know, image of the church, which is usually negative, right? To champion human progress, to champion creativity, to do all these things we're trying to do. And so that's been the tension for me. It, like, it's, I know it's a bigger picture question, but that idea of, you know, holding those two things, the the prosperous church in, in this society, because it is, right? Right. Like we, our churches might not be prospering in the sense of like people, but like the, the ability to have faith the way we are now, there was a saying, I think it was that, that was it l- luxury produces weak men and weak men produce trial and then trial produces strong men and strong men produce luxury and luxury produces weak right. men. It's just like, I heard this the other day, yeah. the idea of like, we've got to the point where, I'm, and I'm not saying it's gendered, blah, 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 just ignore that. The point that the principle, right, is I think the prosperous church, and people have talked about this, right, has become a weak church. In the sense of understanding the allegiance of our faith to a different kingdom. Mm-hmm. But yet, I don't want to suffer yeah. if we don't have to, right? Like yeah. Paul's writing to a church in persecution all the right. time. We're and not self, self-flagellators. No, like we, we don't need that to feel holy or something. But the idea that there's this, uh, there's this thought in Paul's theology, a lot of like in, engaging with and sharing and partnering with the suffering of Christ to know him more. Right. And what does that look like? So that's where like the idea of the hyper positive church or the hyper grace church or the whatever church you want to call it. I do think even in a prosperous society still needs to be considerate of how it chooses a different way. The idea then for me is, is, and maybe this is just where God's been, you know, leading our church and leading, but the idea of the, the disciplines of abstraction, the disciplines of retraction, the disciplines of, of less, right, of frugality, simplicity, yeah. right, actually might be the place of our subversion to culture, saying we want life to get better for everybody. We should want creativity to move forward. We should want the general person to prosper greater, to have more freedom of their mind and body and soul. We want that. Yeah. So we, sounds like we disagree on what the definition of prosperity is with the modern secular world. I, well, I think there, there is. And, and even with some of our own. Right? Yeah. It's, it's so commingled because to say 
to say that in this life, because we do believe in a new hope and a new world, and and so I like I don't want to ever lose that hope because that is the ultimate. Cause the Christian never believes we will ever get to the false utopia of the secular idea. Right. Never. Right. Yes. We do believe this new hope of the full revelation of God. Yeah. But within this framework of brokenness, right? Like you, maybe you've heard me say this on Sunday mornings where I'll say things like, you know, we want to be fully alive again. Mm-hmm. fully human to be to be yeah. redeemed is to be fully human brought back to what it was right this walking with god and in the fullness of ourself um and i think that becomes the aim for the christian is the fullness of the human being not its potential and blah 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 blah. the be the that there's a healing a redemption there because we do believe in other things like capacity right like not everyone's meant to be a superstar right jesus is yeah. the only one whatever right but the idea of then in this and this is where then societal kind of experimentation comes to bear right mm-hmm. what is the best society to produce certain things and what are those what, what are the things that people will call rights right privileges at the end of the day right we would want i think um as christians based on i think patterns in scripture that i see the imperatives of jesus the the new testament kind of ethos is that we would want to alleviate oppression yeah. Injustice, mm-hmm. right? Bring healing where it's possible. Yes. But never ignore the fact that the poor will be amongst us, the rich will be amongst us. Yeah. Right? And the evil will be amongst us. Mm-hmm. And so, true. like, you know, do I love living in Canada where, you know, if I have to have surgery, I get it for free? I well, love that. I do like that. I do like that, right? Yeah. Now, the issue is can that work uh, at a 10 times population in Canada? I think it can. I have no idea. I'm not smart enough to know that, right? Like, I'm not going to make that claim, Sam. But uh, <laughs> uh, but that whole idea then of like, how do we how do we deal with those means, right, to achieve the ends of prosperity? Because I do, I, I would hope that most people can agree on the definition of the prospering human. Uh, may, yeah. But probably not, because again, as a Christian, we do have the aspect of the soul first, right? The, the work of the soul. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, as, as uh, the quote that, I think we've said in the, in the cast before, but that, that hungry stomachs have no ears, right? That yeah. there is a... I think it was a very early episode. There, Yeah, there, there is a... There's always a dual desire that we would meet the material needs and the spiritual needs. Yeah. We would end injustice. Because at the end of the day, I don't care how prosperous financially or technologically a society gets, human beings are complex, messy in the words that I usually say on Sunday morning, jacked up people. Yes. Right? Like we are, we are complex, emotional, fear, shame. Like I don't, like people will look at things like Japan, right? And be like how technologically advanced they are. There's some messed up stuff coming out of Japan, there is. right? There Just because we yeah. can create better tools doesn't mean our sin goes away. So for the human being at the end of the day, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna die on, on the, the hills of social progress at the extent or the cost, I mean, of of a soul made well, but I will not, I will not ch- believe that my only purpose in life, right, is simply the the communication of the gospel of Jesus without works. Yeah. Right, like, like it's, it's it's faith without works is dead, and, and in that space there is an element of care that that James is speaking of, right? True religion is to take care of the widow and the orphan. Like we see these imperatives, and so, yes, I would say then at that point, 
you were right, how we understand that in society and how we structure the experimentation of human civilization yeah. is a much broader question that I've not ever really studied until yeah. recently. Here's a here's a virtue or a supposed virtue that I, I often see get like um, kind of elevated to a God thing by a lot of Christians, particularly because in America, like, most evangelicals tend to vote Republican, but it's, and America, you know, was founded as a Christian nation and, you know, a place where we could have religious freedom and whatever, but like just the idea of freedom and liberty as being like a virtue equal with charity and, you know, gentleness and, um, you know, generosity. Like I, I do see that idea get propagated a lot. Like I was even reading, like, and we can talk about this later. I was reading, uh, this discernment blog, and I was like trying to hear them out and everything, and they're talking about they're, they're, we're here to defend gospel fidelity and personal liberty and property rights. It's like whoa, like one of these things, two of these things is not like the other. Like why have we decided that liberty? Well, because I think liberty is a good thing. I think it basically allows us to practice our religion without fear of repercussion, um, and I think that it should be aimed for because it enables that but since when is that a like virtue on the level of what jesus talked about but i don't know if maybe you have yeah, thoughts so, on that so like to answer the first question should we be positive in church <laughs> uh we should be hopeful always yeah but honest and yeah. hopeful on that question um this gets into more the, the the development of christian i think philosophy and history over time because I believe the argument would be made that it is better to be free than not free. Yeah. Right? I would and say it's actually so. more loving to create the space where someone can be free, even if they decide poor things. Right? Which is a Christian idea. Yeah. Right? The non-coercion of belief. Right? And so that actually came from the very basis of the faith that we as Christians, we do not, through, through war or government, demand conversion. Right. It's right. a free choice of the human will yep. or, you know, free choice of the supposedly human will under the sovereignty of the divine God. <laughs> right. To, 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 to choose um, in one way or the other to become part of this kingdom. Right. By the rebirth. Right. And so. The idea of liberty is deeply connected to individual faith. And that's why. Yeah. Right? That's why it's got championed that that we. You know, and this was one of those things where there was often in like, especially in, you know, um, you know, early religious conflicts, like between, I would say, like the the way that Jesus propagated himself and the way that other religions started. Yeah. Right. A little more coercion, a little more war based. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, which I understand in the history of the church, sometimes we did the same thing. Yeah. But look to your leader right, to figure out the actual foundation of this, right, and and so that is where the idea of, like, Jesus allowing people to choose, like, do you want to be healed? Right. Right, right? like, there is yeah. a freedom there, and the Imago day that we are not just, our, our creation story is full of dignity of the human person, and so yeah. freedom and liberty of that person are actually a chair, so it's, so you're right and wrong, right, you're, I would say, you're wrong to differentiate charity and freedom because there are it flows from, right? But it's wrong to equate them as the same thing, right? Because charity and freedom are the same thing, yeah. Or love and freedom are the same thing. But uh, because if I love you, I want freedom for you, right? And that's the tension: is we have 
Now, property rights, that is an extension of freedom, right? Arguably, because like, yeah, I, I think this is where it gets hairy is because people's def- working definitions of what freedom and liberty looks like oh, in our society, right? then, then that gets like, people get really attached to those because that's freedom. Like if you, if you tax me, you're taking away my freedom to, to my entitlement to the money that I've earned. Like, and it, to that's me, that's what, just like, I don't know. To me, that's just people being simple. Like society functions like a business in a sense, right? Yeah. This is so simplistic and, and it's going to make me look like an idiot, but like at the end of the day, things get, things cost yeah. to happen, right? There's goods and services. And so taxes help pay for that, right? Yeah. Now, limits of taxes, demanding of tax, ta- fine. We can argue about what those and the marriage of those. And to be honest, yeah. I don't know tax law and I don't know all the types of taxes there are. So I don't really have that big of an opinion right now. But, um, you know, to say that the government can't, shouldn't tax me, I think it's a, like what what's the alternative you have like everybody just the alternative really like i don't think in the modern world there's even a precedent for that well the thing is like the alternative to that is that everybody is a king to themselves basically yeah the the the, it's not quite anarchy well it's not quite anarchy because i think there would still be the desire for a common good but you were basically at the whim of your own personal freedom right And so is there a trade-off between freedom and structure? Well, of course there are. And as Christians, right, that's the first commitment we make. Here, Jesus, take my freedom to choose whatever I want to do. I submit to your kingdom. Exactly. That's kind of the main point I'm always coming back to is it's like, well, what's all your freedom for exactly? Well, yes, but I don't want to like... Let's just chill with, uh, I know where the next step is for you, but I don't think that going into a full kind of like political ideology off that theology is necessary, right? No, I, I agree. And so that's where we have to, again, I think, and that's where talking about politics, right? Like we're about to come into election. I'm, I think I'm going to do a sermon on it in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, just because why not? You should. I, I think you've done one. You did one the last time there was the provincial. I think so. Right? Uh, it just, I think it also just tied into what, the series was too i think maybe anyways um is that you know we we are free as christians to try to figure out the best way of doing it and the issue is when we conflate political strategy with uh like dogmatic essential to the faith yes that's the issue a lot of times for people and so like you and i both know i'm way more well, in Canadian context, I'd be maybe way more conservative leaning. You'd be way more left leaning because yeah. I know you're not also liberal, but right. But I'm not even like I'm. I would never call myself a political conservative by nature. I'm not a right person, right? I try to be as you know center as possible, and I don't actually. Fit. Yeah, I like. I don't like. I definitely don't like the connotation that like. I don't like left labels. <laughs> well, yeah, but like in this day and age too, especially oh, with yeah. like you know, there's a lot of violence being done by far left people right now, and it's like, well, I don't. Just, I don't want to be associated with that, right? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, and, and that's where people, again, it could, because it's easier. It's easier just to be like, oh, so you have this certain political theory, so you must be over here, which is why people often don't want to share, especially Christians talk about that. But I think we have to engage in ideas, and that's yeah. the issue, right? Like, yeah. if, if I were to vote conservative in this cup coming election, it would not be because I love every policy they have. I might like some of them. If I were to vote liberal, because I like some of them, and it's trying to wrestle with those questions yeah. on what do I think is needed yeah. right and that's where again people all 
also think of like the idea of democracy as like the height of human political structure. Is it? I don't know. I think it's pretty like I think it's pretty good. I think it's I think it's probably the best we've come up I, with I, so far. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I would agree, right? Like and, and so we have to like recognize that even in that there is an active freedom in being able to affect society. Um do I think that the the fight for libertarian kind of freedom that seems to be percolating everywhere is like the right of the the right way for the Christian to move in. I do think that we do need to value human autonomy to a point, but I also don't think that unchecked human liberty is a good thing. Yeah. Like, like even the Bible says that God has given governing structures, governments, you know, God appointed them. Yes. And so we should submit to them. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean that the governing structures are great. Yeah. Right. And we would argue that, you know, God allows human development in certain ways, right? Like that we've developed through these systems and whatnot, and that God was sort of entering the human story. And like even Jesus, right? He entered into the Roman world and his goal was not to overthrow the human authority. He yeah. subverted it. And that's what, and that's that's what right. people did not like. But he could have, because then he could have just walked in, right? No one touching him. Go take over Caesar and be like, guys, I'm the new king. That's, and even, you know, there's a story in John 6 where he feeds 5,000 and people come and try to make him king. And he, he leaves, he says no, and he, and he checks out because his goal yeah. is not that, right? It's why I, I don't think, yeah, it's why I just get really uncomfortable with Christians maybe. So I think, yeah, freedom and like this political, like libertarian freedom are, are not the same thing. It's not something that Jesus came to this earth to try to like instate. Yeah, and, and that's a, and, and, and then you're also, a lot of these guys you're talking about are American, yeah, right? For and sure, but that, that kind of thing is in Canada too. It is, but... And I think we have to be aware of it. I think we, I think we, we digest a lot of American politics because it's more popular, because mm -hmm. it's way bigger. Well, we often see right? it as like a, an experimental ground. It's like, oh, could that work here? Well, and that, yeah, I and so, but the values like that are there, we often forget are not one to one over here, right? Like, we talk about free speech. Canada doesn't actually have free speech where America does, right? Yeah. You know, talk about gun laws and all those like hot button things, like. I've never thought about guns, like basically ever. Yeah. Right. It's never been a big thing. Never yeah, been a thing yeah. Right. There's a and, lot of Canadians that would love to have guns, though. I'm sure there are. Right. And and for the f sake of you know, the Second Amendment, defending from government, I, I haven't thought about it. Yeah. I, I do think if the government went tyrannical, I would want to have some way of like stopping it. Must not but, be a, a real religious issue then. Well, I'm <laughs> if, sure if it is. I, I don't know. I just it's, it's something that I deal with, right? Yeah. And not something I shouldn't think about or have an idea. Right. But yeah, I just, I, I, I think that the value, right, of, of human freedom, especially from the coercion of belief as the basis. Yeah. Right? Human charity in the sense of like love thy neighbor as thyself. Right. Like, and again, just so we know, that's not about self-care and loving yourself first. It's the assumption you're already selfish. Yeah. Right? So love people like you would love, do to them what you would have them do unto you, right? Like that, that becomes the basic of, of the ethic. Mm -hmm. And at that point, and this is where it's idealistic and I fully understand that, right? At the end of the day, the idea of rights and privileges and what's human rights, people use that language a lot, right? Like, you know, healthcare is a human right. Education is a human right. This is a human right. 
fine. We can wrestle about what what, what is a right, right? <laughs> right, right. Right, right. But in the day, right, the imperative framework for personal morality is doing to others as you would have done to you, because that's what Jesus said, right? That we are that we love because we first been loved. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, the human, or not even say the human, the Christian ethic is this, which is by the way unique. People to like to say, well, every religion has their golden rule. No, 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 no. Right. There are sometimes what's called the silver rule. Right. Don't hurt people because you don't want them to hurt you, right? Like this evil reciprocation. Jesus ain't going next to further, right? Yeah. You know, give them your tunic. Go the extra mile. Do unto others as you would have them. Love, yeah. own the fact that you're selfish, right? Amen. And then turn that to someone, right? That's our ethic. That's how businesses should run, right? Yep. And this is where I've talked about altruistic capitalism, right? The idea of giving people free market society because the benefit maybe of that for innovation, different things. But... And obviously you can't let it legislate morality. That's also a whole other conversation we'd have. But running it as Christians, especially, right? Using this Christian, like, imagine just, I know this is just experimental and I'm a Canadian, I'm not American, but imagine this whole like religious right movement would literally just do everything from business to politicking, right? Through that framework, right? Of loving everyone the way that I would want to be treated if I yeah. was in that case, right? And, and I think it would be slightly different right now. People would argue, well, what would I get, um, you know, stepped on and, and abused at times for that kind of ethic? And the answer is yes and no. There will be times where I will be taken advantage of because I choose to be gracious. But at the same time, right, if I love somebody, I'd want to correct them as well and protect them, even if they don't desire that. Right. And that's where that interchange comes in. Like like my kids, for example, don't want to be corrected. Yeah. But I yeah. will. Now, well, who who's the parent and who's the child in society? I understand that. And I don't even want to get into that kind of conversation because then you get kind of, kind of like the technocrats and the and the philosopher kings and the things like that. But there's the idea that love of like love is not always displayed in the kind of weak um passivism which often it, it, it's attached to there, right. there there is a strength to love we talk about it in church that there, there, there's a wisdom to love knowing yes what is required in a moment and so i think that that would be the push now that is as i mentioned so idealistic because what does that mean for you know party lines and what does it mean because everyone's trying to make create a good society but in the, the day like can i if I'm, if I'm thinking through this if i were them yeah what would i want and the first basis, it's like, can I do for the one which I wish I could do for everybody? And then the next step is, okay, setting up a, a society where if everybody had this, what would it look like? Right. And, and again, I don't think personal morality and societal ethic are one for one, but we got to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, and, and anyways, that went weird places, but it was fun. So before we end this, yeah. Sam, since it is an election uh, year. Yes. Who are you voting for? <laughs> am I allowed to say that on here? Like, I have no idea. I guess I am. I think as a pastor of the church, you do. Are you going to say? Uh, no, because I All actually right. don't know yet. Okay. I'm just going to... I I think I'm going to vote for the Green Party. Oh, of course you are. He wants to get high. Yeah, that's not why. <laughs> I, I already could if I wanted to. Um, I'm probably going to vote for them just because I'm not a fan of really any of the big three. And I kind of just... Like, honestly, I'm kind of being a single issue voter in this election. The environment is important to me right now. And I kind of, I don't, um, 
I think a vote for the Green Party sends a message for the next election. I'm kind of playing the long game. You can critique that strategy all you want, but basically that's my mindset going into this election. There you go. Yeah. And as I go. said, I have actually no idea yet. I've been thinking about it a lot. And uh, I will not so. judge anyone for voting differently from me because, yeah. We're unified on we the are. end. Amen. Amen.